So God has been speaking to us through the parable of the sower. And he's been speaking to us about how this isn't about other people. That the parable of the sower is about us and our continued submission and obedience to what God is saying today. And that's been the message that we've been giving, and that's the one we're going to wrap up with. Next week is a Forum Sunday, and if you're unfamiliar with that format, then uh, I'll just briefly uh, connect you with it. The idea is we're going to take the last four services, and we're going to have a full interactive discussion by using Slack and emails, by having uh, communication with each other. So there's going to be times where you're going to be asked if you're present to turn around and talk to other people about a scripture verse or about an idea. Um, and then we'll just be having a panel of people up here um, discussing the word of the Lord. And it's a different format. It's more about engagement and that's something that we really encourage people to be with. Next week will be our first ever in-person and online um, Forum Sunday. We've done all online Forum Sundays with great success. We've done in-person Sundays with great Forum Sundays with great success. And next week we're going to be doing both. And so it's going to be a great learning experience and it's going to be a wonderful time. So again, in this message, if you can hit me up on Slack, questions and comments are more than welcome. Let's get into the word and then I'll pray. Our text today is Matthew 13, 3 to 9 and 18 to 23. Let me read it. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil. Immediately they sprang up. And since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell on the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and they choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower, Jesus goes on to explain it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that's what's been sown in his heart. This is what's sown on the path. As for what's sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word of the Lord and immediately receives it with great joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution comes, on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what's growing on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred in another 60 and in another 30. Lord Jesus I pray that in our hearts we would be people who hear the kingdom of God hear the word of the Lord and that we will be people who understand it who grow deep roots who produce a hundred sixty and thirty 
God, that we would be those people that faithfully hear the kingdom of God, hear the vision of what you would see happen with your creation. Let us be those people today. In Jesus' name, amen. He walked out of the church angry, frustrated, and very put off. I came and I sat next to him on the curb. And he said these words to me. I'm done. I'm done. Two years earlier, this young man had become a Christian. A rock star of a Christian, if you will. He was challenging people to take his faith seriously as soon as he converted. He was... He was in his place telling people of the great testimony that God had come and saved him from all of the bad things that he was doing. He was leading people to Jesus. And in two years, he knew his Bible better than most people who had been a Christian their entire life. Everything looked so good. Everything was going in the right direction. He was the celebration of the people of the church. And this happened. And he walks out of church. And he says, I'm done. That's it. Twenty years ago that happened. And still to this day, he says... I'm done. What happened? What happened to create such a dramatic difference? What happened that was so radical in his life that one brought him into faith and then brought him out of faith? What happened? See, the day that he stormed out of the service, the minister had spoken about the cares of the world. This young man looked at the prospect of the rest of his life and he saw that he had things in his life that he cared more about than he cared about the word of the kingdom. And he made a conscious decision that day that said, I'm done. Something happened in him where a thorn grew up near his vision of the kingdom of God and it choked out the vision of the kingdom of God. It choked it out. And to this day, I still have a relationship with him. To this day, it is a challenge. To this day, that very thorn that grew up has still been left unrooted. And so, this is the danger that happens to all of us. That when we hear the word of the Lord, when we hear God's way, and it comes into conflict with something that we want, when it comes into conflict with the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches, Sometimes, Jesus says, it chokes out the word of the kingdom. And today, that's what we're going to focus on.
we have to confront as people of this church, as people of God, we have to confront the evils that still lurk in our hearts. The evils that, that God is saying, pray this prayer, search me and know me, see if there is any wicked way within me, that we just spent those three minutes in silence reflecting on that prayer. The evils within our hearts that God says, I want to transform your life, I want to change you, I want to set you free, I want to liberate you. And so we have to look at it. So we've, we've spoken at length in previous sermon series that it's not the role of the pastor or the co-parishioners to point out what God is going to fix in your life, but it's up to us to look to God and to say, God, search me and know me. See, the kingdom of God, to make it clear, the kingdom of God is God's vision of the world made right. It's God's vision of the world set in order, put in place, done correctly, where there are no more wrongs. But yet, we still have things in our heart that push against that. We have things in our heart that say, that say, God, I like your idea of kingdom of God, no wrongs, la, 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 that's so nice. But the problem that we run into is we go, wait a second, that made me feel uncomfortable. The guy that I was talking to said, said the kingdom of God invades too much on something that he valued and would not let go. It invaded too much, and he was like, no, 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 God. You don't get that. You can't have that in my life. And chokes out the vision that God says, I want to make the world right. I want to make you, the, the, the technical theological word is, I want to sanctify you. I want to purify you, make you into the image of Jesus Christ. And that will mean that there are areas of your life that will come under the axe. It will get cut. And so today, it's the, the Word of God says, as for what was sown amongst thorns, this is the one who hears the Word. See, the Holy Spirit is constantly sharing His vision to those who rely on Him. Christianity isn't just a once and done, thank you Jesus for forgiving me of my sins, I'm good now. Now I'm just waiting to live forever. No, Christianity is a process which the Holy Spirit is refining you, changing you, growing you, developing you, and guess what? It doesn't stop. That's why our discipleship experience is a circle, because it doesn't stop. God gives you a promise. You trust it. We the trust leads us to live differently, make new habits, follow him. We come into a point where we question, and God says, here's your mission. This is what I'm doing. This is what you're doing, and it's going to go well with you. It's a promise that you trust, that you change the way you're living so that you follow it. You come into a point where you're like, God, I don't understand. What are you doing? God says, here's my mission. Here's what it means for you, and it's a new promise, and he keeps on pushing us through each time, refining us. This time, I'm going to take an addiction from you. This time, I'm going to make you invest differently. This time, I'm going to call you into doing something that you've never done before. And he just keeps on molding us and shaping us 
and growing us. And this is the one who hears the word. God is sharing the word of the kingdom of God, and he's pointing out the thorns that we have. Every single one of us has thorns growing inside this field of our life. And so the Holy Spirit is doing that work. And we hear the call and we respond. We have two responses. Yes, Lord, I hear that you want to root this from my life. Yes, Lord, I'm willing for you to search my heart and change me. Yes, Lord, I'm good with that. Or we respond the way that this person responded. No, God, I'm out. No, God, you can't have that. And God didn't give up on this person, by the way. God's still cycling through, but he keeps on saying no. God hasn't given up. He's never given up on you. You can say no, and he's not going to give up. Right? How many people have said no to God in their life, and, and then God just comes back and goes, I'll get you next time around. Right? And he does. He's so faithful that way. I'll get you next time around. And God just goes. But we have the response, yes, God, uproot me. Cha change this. Or the other one is, no, I'm out for now. I'm done. And God works through patiently. Thank God for his patience. But let us not try it for too long, lest we experience the result. Choked out. Aside, sometimes I, 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 I want to blame the church for someone leaving. I get so mad. You know, ah, someone else left the church. Not this church. Nobody leaves this church, right? But I get so frustrated. Oh, well, the church, if they just had a better technology or if they just had a better system or if they just, you know, didn't listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit so much and we're so, you know, obvious about it, then maybe it would be a more comfortable experience for people. They'd come in and, you know, the church would be full if we, left, if we didn't confront people with the thorns as much. And you know what? Sometimes we just have to blame the Holy Spirit that people leave the church because he's calling stuff out and that makes us uncomfortable. And sometimes we're complete not nice people about it. But we, and we should be better. But sometimes it's a work of the heart. Something's happening here. All right, so let's look at the rest of the verse. It's the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. One who hears the word, cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, it proves unfruitful. The cares of this world will choke out the kingdom of God in you. The cares of the world will overshadow, invade in, challenge and choke out the vision of the kingdom of God in your life. See, what are the cares of the world? The cares of the world are, are things like social status, what everybody else thinks of me. Our whole world works on a social system. All humanity does, but the technology in, in our world has, has exasperated this, has put it out more. Your likes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I don't care what you use. Maybe sometimes you use Reddit. I've heard of that. I don't know what it is. Maybe TikTok. Ooh, I don't know what that is. Um, 
There are some people who use all of this, and your social status matters. But it isn't just social media. It's what your neighbors think of you. It's what people think of you. It's, it's all of this that matters. It's a care of the world. You know, are you invited to all the things? Do you have the right car? Does your car represent your value to you? Guys, anyone? Bueller? Does, does, your, does your wardrobe represent the image that you want to portray? Look at me wearing a blue blazer and nice blue jeans and a nice red shirt. I am so put together. Is it your house? Does the way your house present speak to your value, your social status, the size of your house, the cleanliness of your house? Would you have people see your house the way it normally is on Tuesday afternoon? Is that a social concern that you have? A care of this world? Someone just wrote on Slack, when we say no to God because we have different priorities than Him, it's a type of idolatry. It's true. It's a type of idolatry. It's a type of challenge where we go to the kingdom of God and we say, yeah, but there's this and this is more valuable. It's a thorn. It's a thorn. There's other social concerns, the cares of this world. Career progression. If I focus on getting a promotion at work, that isn't inherently bad. But if all my focus on getting the promotion is because this is what speaks to the value of who I am, this reflects who I truly am, this is my value, this is my contribution, this means I'm acknowledged. And we go, we go, oh yeah, oh wow, look at you, you're good, you just got a promotion. Ooh, yeah. And, and the cares of this world, the energy it takes to get that promotion, to maintain that promotion, to, to be promoted again, absorbs time. And it's not that it's bad, it's you need to check your heart. Is the cares of the world a thorn in your vision of the kingdom of God? Is it a thorn that can choke out? Is there room for the kingdom of God to breathe and grow in your life? Is there room? Entertainment needs. Depends on your age on this one. But entertainment needs is something that I hear a lot. Oh, well, I just need to focus on making sure that I get the time for me. The me time. And really what that means is that you're looking for space and time that nobody else bothers you and you can just watch Netflix undisturbed. Oh, I need that me time. I need that. And, and, and the entertainment need starts to take over and creep into the time that God has called you to invest in his vision of the kingdom of God and not just veg out on a couch for that many hours. What I didn't say is I didn't say Netflix is bad. What I did say is when it chokes out the kingdom of God, we allow the Holy Spirit to evaluate in us and say, maybe the time needs to be switched up a little bit. 
Maybe your priorities of your time and the kingdom of God pushes against these weeds. I'll be, I'll be completely transparent. Yesterday, well, over the past week, I've been struggling with this and realizing it, um, but yesterday, I just deleted every single app on my phone because I was wasting so much time doing stupid games. Stupid, stupid games. Like People Blaster, where I'm like holding down the screen and watching a guy come out of a cannon. Forty-five minutes later, there's six guys coming out of the cannon. God's like, come on! Do you really need to do that? When I started deleting games, I thought I only had five or six. I deleted 38 stupid games from my phone. Is there anybody who can make me feel better? (laughs) Amen, amen, I see those hands. The kingdom of God is, is choked out by entertainment needs. I remember as a child, I grew up without a TV. I thank God for that blessing, but I grew up without a TV. And I would tell people at school, I was in grade like six, seven, eight, when I started realizing I was different. <laughs> I hadn't looked in a mirror, apparently. But anyways, I grew up without a TV. And, and my friends at school, or the people that I spoke to at school were like, how do you live without a TV? I couldn't live without a TV. I come home, I spend all my time watching TV, and, and I couldn't even live without a TV. Well, today it's not TV. Today it's Roblox. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's these little things that, that, they, that they come and they, they grow up and they challenge the space that the kingdom of God has to grow in. Oh, yeah, yeah, God, I'll get, to, I'll get to what you wanted to see happen when I'm done my me time. I legitimately just deleted Slack off my phone. Someone just asked on Slack. Legitimately just deleted Slack off my phone, and I'm committed to when I'm at work checking Slack during the week. So you guys can still communicate to me through Slack, but yes. Someone says that they put a limit on their phone for social media because they find themselves randomly scrolling without even realizing. Absolutely. That. That's a great decision. So we have these needs. Guys, this isn't it. Wealth accumulation. Wealth accumulation. And I apologize we're going to run a little bit late today because we started 20 minutes late. I apologize for that. Um, Wealth accumulation is, is that managing your wealth, removing your passion from understanding God. Is there room for the kingdom of God to breathe in your accumulating of wealth? In your tracking your bank accounts and your stock investments and your, and your, and your options and what you want to do with your, with your little kingdom that you're setting up, is there room for the kingdom of God to breathe? I love the precise visual of being choked out. That the kingdom of God is choked out by thorns in our own heart. Good thing God's a gardener. Good thing he can create gardens of Eden that are beautiful and made right. And he can create that in my heart. 
See, there's a couple of lies that I'm going to address, and then we're done. Lies that suffocate us. It's the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, but the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Okay, so here's the deceitfulness of riches. There are two lies that our culture and our people fall into about wealth accumulation and, and riches. The first one is a poverty mentality. We can't afford this. We can't do that. It's a poverty mentality that affects our budgets, it affects our outlook on life, it affects our generosity, it affects what we invest in. It's a poverty mentality. We can't do this. And the second one is a superiority in your own assets. I am self-sufficient, so I don't need God. Thank you very much. I'm self-sufficient. We got this. We can do whatever we want because we can provide for ourselves. These are two constant lies that choke out the word and make it unfruitful. So when the kingdom of God is spoken about, the lies we tell ourselves about money choke out the growth of the kingdom of God in us. The lies we tell ourselves about money choke out the growth of the kingdom of God within us. For the poverty mentality, the poverty mentality says, oh, I wish we could do that. Look at that great thing that's over there. I wish we could do that. That would be awesome, but you know, we just can't afford it. And we say that to everything. It's not just about money. We actually put it into, I wish I could accomplish something great, but I'm not significant enough. I wish I could accomplish, I wish our church could do something worthwhile, but alas, we're too small. We couldn't really have an impact. These are lies. Their poverty mentality lies. It isn't just about money, though. Right? We suffocate the kingdom of God when we limit it to our ability or our resource. See, you're not a resource to God. You aren't a, you aren't a product. You are a child of God. And God's resource is far greater Poverty mentalities happen in our giving cycles too. Oh, I'd give more if I had more. I would help out that person that's struggling, but you know, I don't even have enough for myself. That's a comment I've said in my own life. But what's, what's more? It's a deception. When I make money, when I make more money, do I actually give more? That's an important question. So it's one reason why the majority of references given in the Bible revolve around percentage of income rather than a figure amount should give. And the other one is the self-sufficiency model. You know what? I don't know which is more dangerous, a poverty mentality or being a self-sufficient. I'm not sure. But I do know that both of them are dangerous. This model says I have everything I need. I'm self-sufficient. I am put together. I am good. And, you know, my family, my money, my job, what could God really add to my life? I've literally had people ask me that. How could God benefit me? I have everything I need. My investments went great in the cryptocurrency that I invested in five years ago. I'm not worried. I got no problems. Why do I need God? And legitimately, as we spoke about at the beginning of service, 
all the wealth in the world can't bring about the kingdom of God. God brings about the kingdom of God. So I don't care how rich you are, how much money you have. I don't care that all your social needs are provided for. Here's the thing. The kingdom of God is bigger than your entire financial assets could ever buy. The banquet God's inviting us to, you can't afford. You can't afford the level of investment. Yeah, you might be good, but the people around you, they might not be. Are you able to pour all of your resources and fix all of their issues? No, you can't. No, you can't. The, ki- the kingdom of God is beyond your own need. The kingdom of God is about all of creation. It's about everything being made right, not just your little family. No, the kingdom of God is bigger than that. It's larger than your needs being met. And so, just because you don't feel the pressures that other people around you feel, it doesn't elevate you from the human experience of want or need. We all need this. And so the kingdom of God challenges these thorns, these lies. It says, somebody wrote, the the more dangerous side of self-sufficiency is we might say, God, I need you as a catchphrase and not really mean it because we don't even know what that means. To need God. We need God to answer the needs of this world. They're way bigger than our own resources. So even after you gave all of your money to the vision of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is still bigger than that. And we thank God that he is the one with all the resources to be able to bring it about. He's the one who will do it, and we rely on him and trust him for it. Josh Dale just uh, titled this sermon, Pain in Your Assets. Clever. So, my final point is the kingdom of God is about becoming truly human, truly connected with God and with other people. In your life, make space. Weed out the things that choke your time, the cares of the world, the the deceitfulness of riches. Weed that out. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. See, God, if there's any way within me that is evil, any evil way within me, purify me. Weed it out. Good soils maintained by the discipline of understanding and learning. Good soil is maintained by rooting yourself in the truths of Jesus, even when they confront you. Good soil is maintained by shaking off the lies that choke out the scope and the vision of what God wants to do in this world. Good soil is maintained by humbly accepting that God is bigger than me. And he's going to do it. And so we trust him. The Lord taught us to pray and he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me finally pray. God, work in our hearts. Search us again. Let us know if there's any evil way within us. 
Let us know if there are things that threaten the kingdom of God in our life. Not to overwhelm us, not to beat us down, but to grow us so that it's not choked out in us. That we would be people in soil that produces a hundred, sixty, and thirtyfold. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for bearing with us. I pray that you have a great week, and uh, God bless you. We will see you again soon. See you always on Slack, and uh, except for when it's not on my phone. God bless. <laughs>